Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, folks, it's Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome back to another episode of Disruptive Successor Show. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about leadership, management, and growing your business. Today's episode is going to be called Seven Keys because it's seven keys to successful leadership, seven attributes of successful leaders, seven keys to successful transition of leadership, seven keys to successful management seven keys to growing a business and then that's going to be the show so it's all about sevens today um it's a magic number in seven and it's about leadership management transition and growing your business so let's start off with the difference between leadership and management because this comes up as a topic often in my work with clients and i like to start usually with a few quotes Um, It's part of a PowerPoint deck that I'm not going to be presenting. You'll just be uh, watching me today. But so uh, Peter Drucker, who is an author or was an author, scholar, and really the father of modern management. Um, He wrote more books about management and leadership than probably any other um, scholar. And he coached more Fortune 500 executives probably than anyone else in the world. Um, And he died, oh gosh, 10 plus years ago at the age of 95 and was still publishing, wrote over 40 books since the age of 65. So here's what he said about leadership and management. He said, leadership is lifting a person's vision to high sights, the raising of a person's performance to a higher standard, the building of personality beyond its normal limitation. Management is doing things right leadership is doing the right things. So those are a couple of quotes from Peter Drucker. Now, I want to give uh, quotes from someone else you've probably heard of called Stephen Covey. He's the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and many other books by similar titles. And here's what he said about leadership and management. Effective leadership is putting first things first. Effective management is discipline carrying it out. Management, he said, is efficiency in climbing the ladder of success. Leadership determines whether the ladder is leaning against the right wall. 
So leadership really is about vision to me. Management is about the management of things. It's about the management of people as well, but it's more about measuring and reporting. Um, leadership is about getting people to follow you. So, so let's talk, or let me talk rather, about seven keys to successful leadership. And I think the first one is, um, how do you develop yourself as a leader? How do you grow yourself? And typically we talk in terms of being a learner, um, being a reader, being a, um, uh, someone who takes in a lot of information and, and then teaches and imparts that to others. Because, you know, if you're not learning and you're not growing, then how can you lead others? Um, so that's the first thing is developing yourself as a leader. The second thing is having a vision for your company. Where do you want to take it? Um, how do you communicate that vision? Vision is like, or, or, or vision telling is like storytelling. You have to create a story, get people excited, um, stir them up and get them all marching in the direction that you want them to march in and follow you. Leadership is about creating followership. So that's the second one is vision. The third key to successful leadership is creating clarity and alignment of your team members. So that is the leaders, the managers, and your employees on the direction that you're trying to take your company or that you're wanting to take your company. People need to be really clear, crystal clear. What's the goal? What's the 10 year target? What's the 30 year big, hairy, audacious goal. What's the one year? What's the 90 day plan? Like, where are we going and why, why does it matter? Um, so the fourth thing, and this is related to the first one of developing yourself as a leader, because oftentimes companies cap out at their own leadership level, but then the next capping out is developing leaders in your company. So as a leader, you need to learn not only how to lead, but how to develop others as leaders so that they can uh, elevate um, elevate others and then you get more exponential growth. So um, key number five is creating the conditions for success. And that means giving people the tools they need like software, equipment, vehicles, computers. People need to have the right resources to be able to elevate themselves and be effective. And that might mean the right training, the right mindset. Um, that could be a lot of things. So it's way beyond just tools. It's also about like mental and physical and emotional intelligence and well-being. Um, and then you have to get key number six is your team to work well together. So you need a healthy team. Healthy team dynamics makes for the ultimate competitive advantage. Right. I'm, I, I remember in business school uh, many years ago that my teacher would always say um, an A leadership team could execute on a C business plan much better than a C leadership team could execute on an A business plan concept. Um, and that was um, in regards to starting up and getting venture capital. So really building a strong, healthy team is an ultimate competitive advantage. And then finally, um, key number seven is unlocking the potential of your people. And that gets back to training and mindset 
Um, it might be physical, mental, emotional conditioning. So those are, I think, sub seven keys. Now let's talk about something a little bit more ambiguous, which is seven attributes of successful leaders. And I say ambiguous because um, these are hard to measure. Um, but the first one is transparency, I think. When a leader is transparent, they are challenged less by those they oversee. Good leaders use transparency to help those around them embrace change, which can be accomplished with a combination of communication, informed debate, shared decision-making, reaching a consensus, and, and using social media uh, to communicate where they're going. People should know why and how a leader has come to a decision and what ways it will affect them. So transparent leaders are not micromanagers. They give credit to others when success occurs and take the blame for failures. I'm not sure why I put the thought social media in there. So um, let's let's scratch that and know that <laughs> sometimes you have to make your own editing um, in real time. All right, second attribute of a successful leader is to learn from failure. Experiencing failure has the power to shape a leader. It's a powerful resource for learning. It teaches uh, survival. It teaches innovation. Um, embracing failure enables us to change and inspire others. It shows our own vulnerability. Um, leaders must be willing to take great risks and fail um, or great reward can never be attained, really. So in that process, leaders gain great perspectives about people and who they can trust. So learn from failure. Let's talk about trust now as the third attribute. So one of the core principles of leadership is to get people to trust you. You know, I think in the past, leadership was scarce and special and a function of just powerful people. And in today's modern day, the, the vertical model of leadership is really very ineffective. Um, today, especially among Gen Z and millennials, um, they want to be challenged. They want to be rewarded in a different way. They want to know that uh, they're part of uh, the decision making and they're included. So success today is attained by being able to collaborate um, much more so than in the past and do it with someone, uh, a leader who has no power over in pursuit of common goals. So like they don't overpower you and they get you uh, to believe in the vision of where they're going. Um, so it's not about authority or position or power, but it's in, in the power of trust and the speed that you can create that with others. Um, a leader also is a trustee in any relationship and, and to be effective must be trustworthy as well as willing to take the risk of placing trust in the people around them. So trust, huge, hugely important and one of the key attributes of a successful leader. Fourth attribute is confidence. A good leader embodies and embraces confidence. No one will follow a leader that isn't self-assured and people can see through a facade of confidence. So 
A leader who can articulate their goals and stand by decisions is far more effective than someone trying to hide behind their insecurities, behind a mask of arrogance. You know, even after failure, a good leader can trust their gut and take on any decision. Confident leaders also are generally happier, create better relationships, remain open to risks, accept feedback, think for themselves, recognize success, and are more motivated. Attribute number five, decisiveness. A good leader weighs a decision carefully, but once they make up their mind, they're not easily put off course. This shows commitment, which breeds consistency, both of which are traits that pay off well in leadership. So make your decisions fast, make them known, and don't look back. You know, many times, you know, uh, wrong decisions um, when, when made in a decisive matter yield better long-term results and a strong team mentality than wishy-washy decisions that end up being correct. So wrong decisions, I should say, over trivial matters made in a decisive manner yield better long-term results, okay? And so having a strong team mentality, super important. Trait number six, humility. This trait is important to keep leaders grounded and connected with the people around them. Being honest, having integrity, and listening to employees will only help gain your respect, which will pay off when it comes time to exercise decisiveness. The best leaders possess an open mind and flexibility and can adjust to new ways of thinking or alternative methods when necessary. These leaders take criticism in stride and view it more as an opportunity for growth than an assault on their character. So while it's true that everyone loves confidence, humility creates a likable persona, making others more comfortable with your position. And finally, trait number seven, attribute number seven is creativity. Many decisions a leader will encounter will be unique to the business and will require more thought than simply throwing a canned solution at it. Teams will often look to a leader for innovative thinking So being able to tap into previous experiences and a treasure chest of new ideas will pay off for any leader, okay? So now let's contrast this leadership stuff with management. And I'm gonna read from, uh, or elements from a blog that I wrote on the seven key result areas of management. And, uh, the original content for this uh, came from Brian Tracy in his book called Eat That Frog, 21 Ways to Overcome or 21 Ways to uh, Stop Procrastinating and, and Getting Things Done or something like that. But it's called Eat That Frog. So let me just go over what the seven key result areas of management are and then read a little bit of some of the parts from my blog. So the the first one is planning. Second one is organizing. Third one is staffing. Fourth one is delegating. Fifth one is supervising. Sixth is measuring. And the seventh is reporting. So you can see right away how different these are from leadership. 
So when you use the words management and leadership, I don't use them interchangeably. I'm pretty careful about what I mean. And so, all right, let's get into it. The first one being planning. Before you start, list everything you need to do. Not only will this save time and improve efficiency, but it also probably is the most important driver of productivity and success. Every minute spent in planning, both short and long-term, saves as many as 10 minutes in implementation. Planning helps managers and business owners define their goals and create an action plan for optimal performance and results. Number two, organizing. As your business expands, tasks become more complex and more people get involved. To ensure that everyone performs efficiently and effectively, list and analyze your processes with an objective eye. Organize your team's efforts and eliminate clutter and redundancies. Key result area number three is staffing. Um, recruitment, of, obviously, is an essential initiative for any growing business, and any business owner or manager must approach the hiring process seriously and strategically. And what I mean by that is don't focus only on identifying great people. Instead, target people who are well-suited for the job. They clearly identify your requirements, attract high-quality candidates, thoroughly assess them and select only those with the experience and capability to carry out the job. And then also on staffing is make sure that you have the right people in the right seats, doing the right things, right? So if you don't have someone who is enthusiastic about being there and whom you would enthusiastically rehire, then maybe they're the wrong person in that position. And as a manager, you should be able to see whether they're the right or the wrong person. Okay, key result area number four is delegating. And this may seem like an easy task, but uh, the challenge is determining which tasks to delegate and to whom to delegate to. And if you don't have people to delegate to or you're short staffed, um, or you don't have the funds to hire someone, this can be a problem. But part of that is the problem of having, uh, maybe of not having a growth mindset. So maybe you first need to develop a growth mindset, which is a leader's job, and then start to think in terms of who would you delegate something to. Um, so you don't want to assign a task to a person who isn't qualified. Um, and, uh, you know, what you do want to do is make sure that there's a good fit between the tasks that you're delegating and the person you're delegating it to. Um, so the truth is that many business owners become exhausted and unhappy because they don't know the right way to delegate their own tasks. So you can reduce stress by delegating your low value tasks so you can focus on more important ones. Focus on the ones that you love and that you're great at and the ones that you like and that you're good at. And look at the ones that you don't like, maybe that you're good at, but you don't like, you're not good at, and definitely get those off your plate because you're taking time and money away from the company or you're taking hours away from your life because you have to make up those hours to get the work done. Okay, key result area number five, supervising. Spend enough time with your staff to give them constructive feedback and positive direction. I like to believe that instead of doing an annual performance review, you should check in with people weekly, just really quickly, casually, like a 
you know, a walk-by, drive-by type of check-in. Um, but you ought to have probably a monthly one-on-one. And if things are going really smoothly, then a quarterly one-on-one. Um, so as a manager, nothing is more important to your employees than your time and your guidance. Provide training and coaching so you can help your staff perform at a higher level. Key result area number six is measuring. Make time to set standards and then measure results and hold people accountable to those results. Help them hold themselves accountable as this will challenge them and will raise them up. The only way to determine if your team is performing well is to measure and analyze. How will people know if they're doing a good job, if they're not being measured or measuring themselves? You know, so record your sales and output on a regular basis. Evaluate your performance based on quantity and quality and how your team contributes to the overall success of your business. Now, this can be difficult to do in certain positions. I've worked with companies that have software engineers or are technical product creators or, you know, talk about secretaries or administrative people. Difficult, uh, it may be difficult to quantify their results, but you should endeavor to try and do it as best as you can. Key result area number seven is then reporting. Um, reporting on the numbers and the, and the measures improves accountability. It requires team members to submit reports on their individual contributions and their overall performance in certain measurable areas. And this is where I like the software that I recommend with my clients because it keeps that accountability front and center and visible in every weekly meeting you go over it. Um, it, you know, it provides a basis for analyzing results, motivating people to perform better, improving efficiency and productivity. All right, let's move on to the next seven. And that's the seven keys to successful transition of leadership. This is a show about disruptive successors and next generation leaders taking over from the prior generation. So let's understand some keys to that. Um, so the leader, the new leader must show a few things. They must show an understanding of the business, of course, or they must have really good product or service knowledge. And if they don't, they must develop it. And they must show humility to learn the business where they don't know it and to learn their people where they don't know them and to develop an emotional intelligence or what Pat Lencioni refers to in his book, The Ideal Team Player, they must demonstrate that they're smart. These characteristics go hand in hand, that is humility and EQ. Someone with a healthy emotional intelligence or EQ is typically more likely to be a humble person. So when a successful transition, uh, I'm sorry, when a successful, yeah, transition, succession takes place, the posture of humility, particularly from the one receiving the baton, but also from the one passing the baton is very important. This involves two people who appreciate and affirm each other. True humility comes from the leader's understanding of who they are. So know thyself, spend time working on yourself. If that means uh, working with a coach or a mentor or getting into therapy um, or being in a peer group, get to know who you are. 
All right. Second key to transitioning leadership is to over-communicate. Many times there's a difference between what we think we have said and what people actually heard and understood. During a transition of leadership or any type of change, it's imperative to over-communicate. People have to hear and read things multiple times for understanding to take place. So communicate what your intentions are, communicate exactly what is happening in the transition between one leader to another. Number three is pretty simple. Establish a clear date. Leadership succession cannot hang on indefinitely. It needs a definite plan. It needs a date. People need to know who's the new sheriff or boss. And when did that transition or is that transition effective? Um, So that needs to be communicated. Um, Obvious chemistry is number four. When we think about people we bring onto our staff, it's important to look for character and competency. So many times, however, we fail to look at the chemistry between the team members. You see how all these are related also to uh, the key attributes of of a leader and also uh, the key result areas of a leader. So in a time of successful transition, the employees will witness the chemistry between the one handing off the baton and the one receiving the baton, and they want to see that they like each other, they respect each other, and that they have a similar goal in mind, even though, or objective, even though maybe the goals of the new and next generation leader might be well beyond, hopefully, well beyond what the old or predecessor uh, preceding leader had. so uh, that's important to have that, that chemistry between the older and the younger. Um, number five, a willingness to start over. And this is where you, this is where the disruptive successor really enters and blooms. The next generation leader has to revisit the purpose of the company and must formulate and communicate a plan for where there will be changes and what they will look like. You know, you might have to say as a new generation, uh, a next generation leader, we got it wrong. When you communicate the change in your strategy or direction, that's okay. I've seen this with clients where they change direction because the next generation leaders sees something much bigger, better, or or different. Uh, so uh, second to last uh, key, is a formal announcement. And this doesn't have to be an elaborate event, but there should be a time to formally communicate that the leadership is passed from one to another. This could be as simple as an all hands meeting. Maybe it's an article in your company's newsletter, but successful transitions need a clearly identifiable moment when the baton is passed. Make it an event, make it a celebration, make it something exciting. And then finally, uh, seventh is Uh, There should be a planned absence from the leader that's departing. You know, many times business succession at any level fails to take place because leaders hesitate to take their hands off the organization they were leading. You know, whether this is true, uh, this is true in the event of a sale, um, but we're talking about succession and transition. And so there has to be a moment in time where the old leader leaves, not permanently, but at least uh, for for a while. Okay, so those were seven keys to leadership and management and transition. 
And now I want to talk about my seven P's or keys to growing a business more successfully. And uh, for those of you who have not uh, seen the tool that I'm talking about, um, I'm going to share my screen uh, for those who are on YouTube watching this. And uh, I want to introduce you to my seven P's framework. So I think this is really important to have some kind of a playbook or an operating system that you use to grow your business. Um, I've used the scaling up uh, operating system or playbook. I've used the entrepreneurial operating system playbook and, and I have my own and I call it the seven P's framework. Um, and one of the ways to evaluate yourself as a company is to take the Gold Hill growth checklist that you can find on my website. Um, it includes each of these P's and asks some key questions in each of these areas. Um, the first one is to understand your purpose. What is your purpose? What is your why? Why are you in business? You know, we know what you do. Um, why do you do it? Why does it matter? What would be lost if you weren't doing it? You know, what's your crusade? What What's your mission? You know, that's beyond just the what, but the why. Because that gets people to buy in. Um, the second one is what's your plan? You know, hopefully you have a plan to two or 10x or two to 10x the business. What's your plan to do that? You know, where do you want to be in 90 days? Where do you want to be in one year? Where do you want to be in three years? Have you communicated that? Are you clear in your own mind? And again, why do you want these things? So keep in mind, revenue is vanity. Profitability is sanity. So we don't just want growth for growth's sake. We want it for a reason. Maybe there's more family members coming into the business. Maybe there's more employees in, in planned for the business. Maybe you want to elevate opportunities for yourself um, or your employees. Um, you have to have a plan to grow the business, to accommodate uh, these additional salaries, um, and then you'll need more space. So what's your plan? When are you going to accomplish it? What are the measurables? What does it look like? Number three is your products or services. How do you improve them? How do you refresh them? How do you make them better? How do you make them more current? How do you make them more relevant? How do you leverage technology to improve the customer experience? Um, how do you leverage technology to make your uh, relationship with your vendors and your suppliers uh, more seamless? How do you use technology and your offering, uh, whether that be customer service, to make it so that you're removing the friction between you and your customers. Uh, super important uh, to improve that. Also, uh, you want to make it so it's easy for your employees uh, to deliver it, to sell it, to communicate it, to manage it. And so you want to think in terms of how do I de-hassle my employees? And that's part of improving uh, your service. Number four is your people. Who are your star people? Who needs to be fired? You know, who, what people need to be replaced? What people need to be put, um, taken out of maybe multiple positions and put into one or just two positions? How do you get the right people in the right seats? That's, I think, key to building a healthy team and building a growing company. Number five 
What are your 90-day priorities? Short-term, what's the most important thing that you want to get done in your plan? And what's the, you know, what's the critical focus? Maybe what's the critical number? What's the critical priority? How do you focus everyone around that 90-day plan? And getting people to think in terms of the 90-day rhythm as short-term planning sessions. I think that's really key. Step six, and these don't necessarily don't necessarily uh, occur in any predictable order. Uh, they're they're uh, interactive with each other. They can come at the same time, before, after. Um, but number six is what processes need to be documented so that you can make your business more scalable, so that other people can follow uh, the recipe, uh, the cooking, and can do it without you. What? processes need to be defined and how do you do it do you do it with video do you do it with word documents do you use a uh like software that allows you to mind map uh flow chart you know how do you create accountability um in the processes because it's oftentimes the handoff between people or departments where things start to fall down break down and documenting your processes and streamlining it so that good people, ordinary people, smart people um, can run the business and it doesn't depend upon uh, people's intelligence to figure it out or an owners um, or managers or leaders um, to be there to run it. You know, you want to be able to step away from your business if you own or manage a business. And the only way to do it is to have good, solid processes. Finally, what are our performance metrics? How are we measuring our results? Um, obviously, we measure it in terms of things like profitability. Hopefully, you're looking at your balance sheet and seeing whether or not your equity is increasing and your asset base is increasing um, and your liabilities are decreasing. Um, but how else do we measure it? There's sales effectiveness metrics. Those are fairly easy to track. There's marketing effectiveness. Those are maybe a little less easier to track. There's production measures, labor efficiency. Um, these are not so difficult to track if you have the uh, right software or good software. Um, but we need to measure these things because this is what helps our company grow. So putting this all together, um, this seven piece framework, I think makes for a powerful way of, of looking at your business and scaling it, looking at leadership, understanding what the responsibilities and the attributes and figuring out how do you develop yourself as a leader, um, understanding what management is, um, telling and teaching your people about management. I hope all these things have been useful to you and that if you are involved in a succession, in a transition, or you're a new leader, that you will reach out to me um, and ask for help. Um, reach out, schedule a time to talk about your business, uh, about your challenges, about your issues, about your opportunities. Um, I welcome that opportunity. Thanks for listening. It's been another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. And you know the drill. If you like this show, please tell other people about it. Um, give us a good rating on your listening podcast of choice and stay tuned uh, for future guests. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. 
I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.